Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Welcome, I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and this week in production, it's the final, final, real, and absolute last Iditarod for me. This week in production is produced by Art Aldrich. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are undoubtedly his own. You can reach Art at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. You can also leave a voice message for Art at 601-564-TWIP. That's 601 601- Five six four eight nine four seven. This is Don McGee. To book me for voiceovers, please call 908-451-6760. Thanks. We are on the eve of the Musher Finisher Banquet. I am sitting here with my colleagues, Mr. Tom Chartrand. Hey, Art. And Mr. Christian Schlicht. Pleasure to be back. It's eerily reminiscent of the 2020 wrap on I Did A Rod as we sat here same room, different time, but, uh, you know, on the verge of going home, that was a slightly different scenario. We were worried about the COVID. I don't exactly. Think don't, the changes in the world. I don't think we're worried so much about the COVID this time, but uh, it's been a long go. It and we're going to talk about it. But first, we're going to have a little toast. Yes, sir. We don't have the traditional Don Julio Añejo, unfortunately. Nome, Alaska is lacking in selection. We have the 375 milliliter Patron Añejo, which is not bad, but not our normal. So. And no good glassware. We're eat, drinking yes, out of paper cups. But boys, cheers. cheers. I appreciate the effort. It's, it's, it's been a little bit of a war. I feel like we've been to war. We've survived. We've come out stronger, wiser. Tireder. Tireder, perhaps. More tired, maybe. Stinkier. Stinkier. Well, I had a shower today, so for the first time in a week. Sometimes just one shower doesn't make a difference. Yeah, so you're a little beat up, Christian. I am, I am. You've had maybe a very different week than you or I expected for yourself. Yeah, big time. Why don't we just dive into that a little bit? It it started off as a normal, you know, um, pre-production three weeks ago in Anchorage. You know, you're out shooting for the dock team. You're on the um, the heister crew, as we say. Yep. And, and I did a uh, lot of insiders. And how did your week, how did your two weeks, two and a half weeks go? Basically, the uh, the official start of the race takes place two hours north Anchorage, as you've mentioned before. And uh, that was our, our first day. Um, we get there and, you know, we're, I'm shooting in the shoot, shooting B-roll, time lapses, the good, the good stuff. Um, the pretty stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, five hours goes by and what we call deployment happens to the trail. We hop in little prop planes and fly 60 or so miles in. And luckily for this, my first time I had Tom with me. Right. And we flew to the first checkpoint and just awaited the mushers to come in. You caught some breaks this year with the weather, though, because last year was was miserably cold. Yes. I wasn't here yep. in Alaska for that, thankfully. But uh, I remember hearing, you know you guys complaining about it a bunch but uh, oh, this yeah. year was a little bit better for weather extremely but there were different logistics in play many it was 40 degrees warmer at the first checkpoint like we arrived last year it was minus 20 
and this year it was 20 above when we got there. Well, plus there there had been weather issues prior to us getting out on the trail. So almost every checkpoint we went to, they weren't prepared, built up. They didn't have tents for us many times. We had to assemble our own tents where normally we come in and everything's all set up. So that seemed to propagate itself all the way down the trail that um, except for one checkpoint I was at there was always something that beyond what our job responsibilities were there was something we had to do to prepare for our stay which is sometimes very short on on last week's episode we had the the new live teaming uh, guys out of uh, Washington State Steve and Brett on and Steve gave us a little recount of getting into White Mountain and um, having nothing there and had to basically set up camp with the satellite tech, which is not usually something that, uh, you know, they have to do. But you had your own little adventure in White Mountain. Yeah. So this is, you know, 10 days. I, I had gotten to Nome. Yeah, you got into Nome and you got to be here for the finish. Yep. And you, you know, worked on the, uh, you actually helped on the live stream and the finish show. You were. Yeah. I did. You were on the back of the truck shooting the musher coming off the ice. You oh, yeah. almost lost your fingers. Oh, it, I had a good uh, cold burn <laughs> going for about 12, 15 minutes. Right. Um, yeah, that was fun. We, we You put a, uh, a wireless pack on me, tethered to uh, some type of transmitter in the back of the truck, and uh, we just filmed them like a mile out, shoot coming down the chute, while also recording locally, of course. Um, and, yeah, so we shot that. We shot second place coming in. There's a big gap between all those guys, the first two, and then the rest of the pack. So it was, I was informed the next morning that I was getting deployed back out on the trail after tasting lack, no more trail life. So it was hard. Um, I'll tell you from my standpoint, yeah. I hate Gnome. I mean, I like the people, for the most part, that are not drunk or, you know, out of their gourd. But for the most part, I do not enjoy my time in Gnome. It's a very down, gray area. The the hotel, and I use that word lightly, the hotel that we stay in, the Gnome Nugget. Um, in New York, it would be condemned to knock down. <laughs> I don't think that's a stretch. It's, it's just very, very old. It's part of the building is literally outside. Your room is outside. You have a door that goes inside, but it's essentially... And outside, the hallway room. is open to the yeah, elements. It's, yeah, it's crazy. And then <laughs> the beds are awful, and there's bar fights, and there's yelling in the halls at all hours of the night. My room this year, I was lucky. I got a room above the bar, so I got to hear all kinds of noise, and I was miserable. So, but but for you coming off the trail, yeah, you getting to Nome is a little bit like uh, civilization because you've not had, and you were sick on the trail. So you coming in here, you were set up. For a little bit of comfort, yes, some downtime, a shower, a nap, right? Yeah, it was it was nine days of of light torture. It you was. know, you don't shower, and you know, you, we come into this knowing those days are a hell week, and uh, you know, part of it's exciting, but definitely getting sick, having a real nasty head cold was not fun, and then flying in the airplanes with all that, you know, pressure was awful. So you get off this trail and getting into this crappy motel is a reprieve and you're excited it feels like the hilton for the first yeah 20 minutes 20 seconds <laughs> 20 seconds you get you get here you get a little tiny bit of rest you come in to city hall the next morning and you're not well you actually had a little medical scare yeah <laughs> i uh i it all caught up to me and i had my first migraine with an aura 
and uh, was ocular a, migraine. Ocular yeah. migraine, and I was a little. You That's know, not a cocktail, boys and girls. No, we should Maybe make it a cocktail. The ocular, <laughs> but yeah, you know, just due diligence. Went to the ER, got checked you, out. You were you were freaked out. Yeah, they were checking me for stroke symptoms just to be safe, and it turns out that everyone in the room when I came back had the same you know issue over the few years. So I've never had it, but. Minus art. <laughs> Everyone right. else but you know, it's exhaustion in. related. And that just goes to show you yeah. that the trail really, you lack of sleep, exhaustion, up for hours. It, it takes its toll on your, your brain and your faculties. And, you know, you suffered a small so, setback. Yeah. So you had that little setback. And then you literally came back. You were, you were medically cleared. Yep. You went back. You got some sleep a little bit. We told you to go get sleep. I don't know if yeah. you really got sleep. But you came back later that evening. You still weren't fully rested, and then the next day, you get the news that you're being deployed back to White Mountain. <laughs> yes, and, I was. And I was, like, a little shocked. I didn't know you were going back. You know, we had a little bit of, um, I don't want to say redundancy, but we had some extra crew in town longer than normal. Yeah, right. So it was you and it was Phil that were in town. I, I had requested that you stay until... Monday morning, so you could help with the banquet. Your your you know skills are appreciated, and I like having you around for that. You were willing to stay, but the the White Mountain part was a surprise, and it was only because you were here and it was redundancy that you were, um, for lack of a better word, you were expendable yeah. to send to White Mountain. But also I, had the skills to be able to say, "Hey, we need this. Get out there." Yeah, it was, you know, there was three of us here to shoot something that two people could shoot on the recorded right. cameras. And it was between me, who knows the live stream technology, who knows the fly packs to go to White Mountain. You've done or it. Or someone who hasn't. Right. And it, the obvious answer was that I go. So I went. Yeah. And and you're, you're like, one to say yes. Like, I'll do it. Yeah, I'm not much of a no man. Right. Though you were not raising your hand up fully... Elevated. I you were like oh, okay, I'll go. Yeah, it was a hesitant yes. <laughs> it was a hesitant yes. So you get to White Mountain. Yep. And you know that you're in for the duration. There was no return flight. Booked. There was there was no end in sight. And and yeah. so tell tell the story from your standpoint. Sure. So I flew out of Nome at a, on a commercial flight straight to White Mountain. Switched out with Steve, who everyone heard on the podcast last last podcast. And uh, basically took over his role on the live stream camera, you know, Flypack, Panasonic CX350, down on the ice, satellite dish connectivity. Yep. And you're shooting mushrooms coming in and going out. Yeah. So White no Mountain. No reporter. Yeah. White Mountain has an eight-hour mandatory rest. So when they do come in, they're there for a while, and there's stuff going on. But when I got there, there was no one scheduled for like five, six hours until there, you know, there's only at this point ten people left on the trail. And White Mountain's the last official checkpoint on the race. So, got there, just, you guys switched some technology up with the different cablings this year and the Ethernet into camera. So, I just wanted to get familiarized, took a look at it, made sure it was all good, played around with the tripod, that stuff. And then, you know, it just kind of unfolded. Day one came, of course, they came in at like 3 a.m., no sleep. Um, shot them coming in, you know, no no live hits, but then day two, we send off the last four that are, leave their their the checkpoint, or the second to last four that come into the checkpoint, right. and it's great. It's like, oh, all right, we only have you know four mushers left. It's gonna, oh, great, I can see the light at the end You're of the tunnel. You're almost there. Yeah, I'm almost there. <laughs> um, 
and then about four or five hours after the second to last group of mushers on the trail leave, one comes back in. The door slam. Four or five hours after the first group of mush. Let, let's put it this yeah. way. There was weather on the Bering Sea coast, and that's the coast that they have to go through to get into yep. Nome. And that was the beginning of some interesting times for you because oh, yeah. when the mushers come back into the trek checkpoint, the trail conditions are horrible. Something's wrong. Yeah. So, you know, you got deployed in a different capacity. What was planned to be just a boring run-of-the-mill race finish turned out to be one of the biggest stories if not high drama high drama big drama yeah injuries you know stuck dog teams search and rescue search and rescue helicopters helicopters, planes everything um broken bones much uh, broken bones you know there was an opportunity there as a cameraman to kind of jump into a position of reporter. Well, one one of the things that we were doing this year that was different than in years past is we encouraged the camera people to do voice commentary over the top of their camera saying who's coming in, what's happening, what do they see, a little bit of reporting, light duty, not on camera. But you were basically the only man on the ground at, at a breaking news scene. Yeah, yeah. Information and, wasn't coming out, and and right, we were not getting any information officially from the race uh, HQ. So we made the decision to deploy you as on camera reporter, as a non on camera reporter. Right, as, <laughs> as as a rookie, inexperienced reporter, we deployed you. We said, Christian, get out there, get the story, tell us what's happening. Well, I started by doing what you guys had pushed for this year was speaking into the in camera mics talking about what's going on and just kind of interacting with the live viewers because it's important and uh it morphed quickly into a full-blown reporter role quick pour break that's the sound of Silence. the end of the race that is the sound of peace on earth <laughs> it was intimidating one thing that I will have to explain to anyone who's not a Iditarod fan, there is a, a subscription service that the fans pay to be part of, to see all the video, to get on the live stream, to get in the live chat room. The live chat room is a very aggressive fan base. Colorful. There's, there's anywhere between two and 500 people that are on that chat room 24-7 for the entire 10 to 16 days of the race. And they're passionate. They're they're engaged. They know each other. They, they feel but, but like they they're know, friends. They know everything about everything. They they pick up on little things that we drop into the live stream. Oh, Christian's on camera. Tom's here. Art's there. Like they know things. Right. And we've sort of shied away from it over the years. But you know, as they become more engaged, like we've become a little more engaged with we them. We feed into it a bit, we engage do. with them. So yeah. you became the instant star of the chat room. Oh, by default. Not, not. I'm not saying you were a willing participant. No, but you but weren't you, looking for it. You were out there doing your best. But even, even still, so like information wasn't getting out there because the the rescue teams weren't even able to get out to the safety checkpoint sometimes to see what was going on. So when people turned around to get back, you were the only one that had the info. And this chat group was like thirsty. <laughs> it, the, 
the amount of information that kept breaking at our checkpoint was just it was all breaking there. it was it, yeah. it was coming through us you first were the and the source. world found out yeah you were the source yeah. how did you feel i mean i know you were a little reluctant but i mean it must have been party that was a little excited it was after so they had me do live hits in front of the camera with the microphone no more in camera mic just full blown two camera talking to the viewers and i would say the third or fourth time i started to loosen up a little bit mm-hmm. and that's when I started to have fun with it because, you know, as someone who stands behind the camera, I was, you know, who loves to be behind the camera, be creative and shoot pretty stuff. Getting in front of the camera is like a whole different. Yeah, world. you were right. you were reluctant at first. Yeah. So by like the third or fourth time, I was like, listen, I have two options here. I can have fun with it, put my own spin on it, try my best or I can be just have a negative experience about it. So. But but they loved it. The fans loved it. I mean, that had to be encouraging. It was humbling. <laughs> it wasn't like get this mo off the camera. Yeah, they 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 had mercy. They had empathy for me. They did. They felt like you were doing you know something that that wasn't asked, but you did. Well, and it kind of turned a tide too, where people were feeling they weren't being given information by the well, organization. There, there, there was some anger because sure. the race officials were not forthcoming we were more forthcoming than the race officials it got a little a little weird and there was some politics back at the control room and we had to drag the race marshal on and we had to you know have him answer to the fans but that was you know quite an experience it was very much so probably mentally and physically draining for you i would imagine yeah, physically more so because I had to stay out there way longer. Well, Tom, I will turn to you. Your week was probably, or your two weeks, <clears throat> a little different than Christian's. Right, right. So, wasn't wasn't so, as intense, but it was as weird. You know, we started out having a whole new system of cameras. I, I come in and help build all the cameras and get them ready for the uh, for the crew. We had a whole new set of cameras to be ready for. We had brand new live streamers that had no idea of how to do it, training sessions, um, you know, doing all that, getting them ready for the trail. And then I was doing live camera this year where last year I was doing the, uh, the live stream management, you know, back in Anchorage. So it was cool to be out on the trail. I was looking forward to it. And um, just as soon as we got through the ceremonial start and the restart and Christian and I went out to uh, Finger Lake, our producer on the trail, who's the main producer and voice of the show, went down with an injury and we had to figure out what was going on. His main role in that is offloading footage, making sure they capture everything from every team. And all of a sudden that kind of fell on me because I sort of had those skills, but then I had to help train out there, Brett, and then Steve, when I met up with Steve and Unicly, you know, making sure that they were set to go. And it went from more of a crew role to a little more of a organizational producer role, making sure everything was ready for him. And those were shoes that I wasn't prepared to fill. You were prepared to fill. You weren't expected to fill them. Correct. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're skilled and capable to fulfill them. You just hadn't planned on it right right i wasn't i wasn't true you i wasn't could, you could handle it but yeah. you just weren't expecting to it ask me how my week was when mr heister came back <laughs> please no no i did not have to be the handmaid so i i did not i i 
pitied your existence at this, that point. This was pretty radical because the 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 lead, the the planner, the scheduler, the producer, the the captain of yeah. the team is now basically laid up in bad shape in Anchorage, and you know I'm there running the live stream, recording hits, and directing, and IFB queuing talent. Mm-hmm. You know, switching angles. It's you know that's a lot. Not saying it's as hard as you know being out in the weather, but no, it is. It's, it's, it's mentally, it's it's pretty taxing. Then, uh, Mr. Heister is installed in the hotel, and now I have to set up a studio, right? So he can participate from the chair, which once he gets in, he cannot get up out of. He had back True. back spasms, and he really was not mobile. No, it was, bad. and he was not even lucid sometimes because of the meds. And so I had to set up a studio, and that was, um, wow, chaos, <laughs> wow, wow, just wow, and <laughs> just chaos, because I had deployed the gear I needed in the field. I right. had gear here in Anchorage, but some of my gear went to Nome on freight for the finish. Right. So what I had in Anchorage was like spare parts, and I had to build a studio and I had to be able to do not only live hits with the team in the field. We had two uh, a race analysts, Bruce, yep. and we had a reporter, Liz, in the field. So they wanted to do, uh, you know, two box, you know, field hotel interviews from the trail. And then I had to do Facebook hits with a former champ from Norway. Right. And these were all things that I was planning to do from the trail feeds. Now I have to have an in-camera, in-house feed. Uh, it was it was nutty. It was an additional element you didn't plan for. I mean, for. for three days while he was there, yeah. I was out of my mind. Yeah. Not to take anything away from, no, no, it from was... your... But I was doing... You know, I had uh, capture cards and boxes, and, and I set up a Zoom room. On a, on a spare Mac, Ugh. and I was doing NDI output, which was very cool, but it was mentally exhausting. Right. I mean, these last two years, it's been an interesting and learning experience because it's been something different every time. Last year, I was doing a lot of producing. This year, it was back and forth between doing his offload and meeting in the field to where we ended up in, in Unilocleet, and that's a stop where the weather was horrible we had no satellite dish nobody knew where to set up we had no power availability and no one knew what to do so i'm not used to just jumping in and saying this is what has to happen let's follow you know normally i'm part of a crew and part of something like that but i really had to lead and say this is where we're looking at the shoot we need lights here oh no we may be blowing a circuit let's get the led lights and you know it was management of crew in place and so that for me was exciting and different and um you know so it was it was a whole different race and then it finally got back to a little bit of normalcy right you know on the trail after that and then we get up here and and this was a big you know, difference for you as well, where we manage not only doing a show in in uh, in Willow for the restart, but also the closing show for right. the, finish the finish and the and the yeah. banquet. There so was, it was, was a different year. The, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of production on on my side that wasn't normal, and the wrinkle at the hotel having to scramble, and and again, 
just the now I'll be the first to admit I am good I, I can go on four hours of sleep for mm-hmm. like a night or two uh-huh but then I need I need six yeah and I didn't get six for a few days and when I don't get six and I have to operate at a high level it's not good no those slits of eyes of yours and, were and not- you know we had Norway <laughs> we had this feed from Norway and Norway's on a plus 10 hour time differential so we were doing late hits with Norway, which was early morning in Norway. And, and you then, had no backup. No, I had no backup. And, and I had planned, you know, part of the thing was I had planned for a second control room to take the overnights. Like we had last year. Like you and I had last year right. with me in New York. So I had planned for a New York overnight control room. And unfortunately, uh, we couldn't get past the firewall where the, the router was located. Right. Screwed everything up because I had... So much uh, infrastructure set up for that Scenario. router to be primary. And yeah. that means my VPN network, my ability to reach the network and control the cameras, which was new this right. year. All of that basically didn't work. All of what you prepared for. And I had no backup and whatever. I was cranky. <laughs> and um, that's life. But then, you know, I, I was able to get you into Gnome ahead of the finish. Yes. And that was something that, that didn't was happen in 2020. Right. And I rely on you. I mean, you know, I really feel like you're part of my, you know, right or left brain, whatever brain that is, <laughs> where that is. I you're thinking, you know, ahead of me almost sometimes about what I need. Right. So I like having you there. And in 20, I couldn't get you here. You had weather, and it was just a train wreck. It was. I was stuck three days. It was, right. a, it was miserable. But, but this year, I couldn't count on you, so I had planned for some additional help. Some of the resources that I brought in were brought in solely on a monetary consideration basis, meaning not necessarily the right person for their job, but it was what was needed for the price. And we, we had some, well, we had a train wreck of uh, technical issues outside of my control at the finish show. It was like a three-ring circus at times. It was a three-ring circus. And, and, and honestly, this is why I work with people that I know and trust. Right. And this is why... You know, I travel you guys on all these jobs because I know what I'm getting. I know when I put Christian on an assignment, I know exactly what I'm getting. I know when I give you an assignment, I know exactly what I'm getting. Right. And when I work with outside people who I, I these people I knew, I kind of knew it might be. They've been longtime acquaintances, but I, not But I limited, colleagues. I limited their, their capacities to only like equipment. And even then it fell apart, the audio fell apart some of yeah. the wireless video transmitters the some of them worked through, some of the them immediacy didn't work. was not there uh, so it, it's <laughs> been anyway it's been a long and frustrating for me three weeks christian's exhausted he's falling asleep at his microphone i am <laughs> and and tom you're still smiling i always smile you do you, you got gas right <laughs> but i will say this i've been Saying it every year, but I do mean this this year. This will be my last Iditarod. We'll and see. No, no, I'm we'll not going to see. <laughs> this is my last, too. <laughs> this will be my last. I've said my goodbyes. And it's it's just... It's um, not 
viable for me from a time and energy and money standpoint. It's just not viable anymore. Well, and you got to look at it. Sometimes it's better to walk away when the longer things go on and they don't change. Yeah, there's lots of reasons that sure. that we can't explain political, personal, you know, people involved in decision making and or lack of execution. I mean, millions and millions of things that we could parts and know, pieces of the production process rail about. Yeah. But right. anyway, it's over. I feel at peace. I feel like I've achieved everything that I can achieve here. I'm, I'm going to leave it to the next person iteration iteration to take it forward i think right. i carried the torch pretty far and in the pretty 15 long. years yeah. i think it's come a long way i think i've had a pretty good you know influence on on the direction of where it's gotten to and i think that's a positive so it's been an exciting run i mean i've but, had eight years but of i've, it I've loved yeah i've loved to have you here with me to do it and christian i'm glad that i was able to bring you into it i don't know if you feel the same way or not oh yeah Absolutely. I, I think you've actually embraced this Alaska life a little more than I had um, anticipated. Oh, I love it up here. You actually <laughs> adopted a sled dog. I did, yeah. And I think you're fielding a team for 2025. I thought about it seriously. The only thing it would be is recreational, like five years from right, now. Ladies oh. and gentlemen, 2025, I did a rod rookie Christian Slick. The mushing addiction start, starts here. Let's hear the over-under on that. <laughs> oh, boy. Marissa, he's he's joking. He's not joking, Marissa. Anyway, gentlemen, I, <laughs> I appreciate your, your professionalism, your support, your contribution to this effort, and I raise my... Patron Cup. to you <laughs> and say cheers. Cheers. And thank Always. you from from the bottom of my heart. And uh, I'll see you on the links. Are you tearing up? I am not. Okay. I spilled tequila in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> That's not a napkin. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen from Alaska, good night. Good night. Good night. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on this week in production. Thanks for listening.